Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. I'm not a Starfleet commander. <laughs> or T.J. Hooker. I don't live on Starship NCC-170 or on a phaser. I don't know anyone named Bones, Sulu, or Spock. And no, I've never had green alien sex. But I'm sure it'd be quite an evening. I speak English. And French. Not Klingon. I drink Labatt's, not Romulan ale. And when someone says to me, live long and prosper... I seriously mean it when I say get a life. My doctor's name is not McCoy, it's Ginsburg. And tribbles were puppets, not real animals. Puppets! And when I speak, I never ever talk like every word is its own sentence. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees.
And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Hamilton is on Lake Ontario in between the Queen City of Toronto and, of course, Niagara Falls here in Hamilton. And this is Victoria Day in Canada. And to all our Canadian listeners who are enjoying a beautiful long weekend, drive carefully. Drive with paying attention, don't text, don't use your cell phone, and above all, please don't drink and drive. Arrive home safe and sound. Toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035, email exxon at exxonradiotv.com, on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Well, as you know, Exo Nation, the um, the doomsday prophecy. I, I have to chuckle whenever I say that. I don't know what it is. It's an automatic reflex. The doomsday prophecy of one Harold uh, camping never happened. And if anybody listening thought it would, I think you need psychiatric help really bad. I, I really do. You know, like I'm sorry if you couldn't see this coming a mile off, especially after today. Uh, his office saying that uh, they're missing $80 million. Well, hello, guess where it is? Mind you, he did surface, and and, and he is at a loss for words on what has happened. Hmm. I'm not. He's a con artist. It's that simple. Is that so hard to say? Try it. Con artist. Anyway, this hour, Exxon Nation, we're going to be speaking uh, to uh, a very special guest. Uh, we've also had the pleasure of having her on the show before. Her name is synonymous with uh, with ufology. Her name is Frances Emma Barwood, and we're going to be talking to uh, Miss Barwood on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free. Uh, let me see uh, our websites, www.exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger. TV at hotmail.com and our website, exxonradiotv.com. And our news website, www.exxonnews.com. This is one hour, Exxon Nation. You won't want to miss. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away. 
Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Up every morning just to keep a job. I gotta find my way through the hustle and love. Sounds of the city pounding in my brain. You know, whenever I hear this song, I expect Drew Carey to come dancing through the studios uh, playing this song. Yes, Five O'Clock World by the Vogues was the theme song for the Drew Carey Show. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free, email at... Exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is France Emma Barwood. Now, she is the retired Phoenix vice mayor and councilwoman. Now, Frances Barwood was elected to Phoenix City Council in January 1992 and was re-elected to a second term January 1994. In January 19. 19- 97, she was elected vice mayor. Ufologists, Arizonians, and eyewitnesses to the huge craft that flew over Arizona skies back in March of 1997 are all familiar with the name Frances Emma Barwood. Her name is synonymous with the events. Her solidarity voice pierced the silence of the restrained politically correct and demanded answers. The airspace of her city and state were repeatedly violated by a huge unidentified craft, if not crafts and smaller ones, which maneuvered through the skies without impedance. People wanted to know what it was. She was the one to ask. Frances Barwood did not uh, duck and run like uh, everyone else did. She did not uh, pass the buck like everyone else did. She did not ignore the situation nor make light of it, as other government officials would later do. Uh, She did what... She was elected to do, represent her constituents and the best interest of the city of Phoenix. Joining me now via telephone is Frances Emma Barwood. And Frances, it's great having you back here in the X-Zone. How are you, ma'am? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? It's been a long time. It has, and uh, we'll have to make sure it's not so long in, in the future because you are one lady who uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't um, take the politically correct answers that that so many other people love to give. Let's let's go back in time to March of 1997 with the with the Phoenix lights and just just for those who may not know what they were, could you please describe to our listeners what happened in the skies over Phoenix in 1997? 
Well, actually, that particular night, I was in a meeting, and I happened to be coming home along the very route that it was going south. I was going north. Mm-hmm. And I never, at that point, never, ever looked up in the sky. I was just busy driving and tired and got home, saw on the news that um, something was in the sky. They said there was lights and um they didn't know what it was, and I thought, well, probably just an aircraft that was off course and kind of dismissed it mm-hmm. up until May. And in May, um, May 6th, I believe it was, uh, it was a Tuesday, and I was stopped outside. It's our televised council session, and it's televised live. And I was stopped outside by um, a reporter named Cindy who was with Extra TV, and she said, Uh, nobody would talk to her, and she's been to every level of government. Would I talk to her? And I thought, okay, why? Mm -hmm. What's what's the matter? So she kind of explained to me that there was this craft that went over Arizona, was seen by many people, and did I know about it? And I thought it had just happened, so I said, no, when did this happen? And she said, well, it was back on March 13th. And I said, no, I I didn't know anything about it, and... um, didn't at that time know that there were several calls that came into my office, but, you know, it was kind of dismissed as, um, oh, well, there was nothing going on and they didn't know anything about it. And that was that I did. I never got the messages. And so I, I told her that I would ask at the council session if anybody knew anything about Mm -hmm. it. And she said, well, they had asked the mayor's office, and the mayor's office just issued a statement, there are no UFOs over Arizona. And I thought, UFOs? You know, what is this all about? What's going on here? So my curious nature, mm-hmm. um, which I, I give my father all the credit, he was uh, the chief investigator for the city of New York back in the, the 60s, and he said, never let anything unanswered. Always find out the answer. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll yep. I'll find out what's going on. And I did ask the question at the council session, and everybody just turned and looked at me, and it was, it was like, okay, um, you know, why is everybody staring at me? And I didn't know the whole story, mm-hmm. but normally what they do is assign two uh, staff members to whatever question you the council is allowed any council member is allowed to ask any question about anything during that that particular part of the session and so i was waiting for them to say okay well we'll look into it and and you know so and so and so and so is assigned to it mm-hmm. and that's normal procedure right. nobody said anything and so i was very uncomfortable and then somebody made a joke and it went on to the next council member, and I'm thinking, well, you know, they just kind of ignored what I said, and I don't understand why. And after that council session was over, I went over to one of the deputy um, city managers, and I asked him, why, you know, why were they so uncomfortable, and why didn't they answer my question? And he just said to me, you shouldn't have asked that question because... The mayor told everybody, do not talk about this. And I said, well, he didn't tell me. And he said he knew better than to tell you that. And and it was because whenever anything came up that I felt the public should know, and they said, do not let this out, do not tell anybody, I would make sure that I did because I thought that was my job. 
I agree with you. It is your job, and I wish there were more public officials like you out there who who wouldn't tolerate the hush-hush, don't-tell-anybody attitude that, that I, what would you say, 96 98% of government officials have? I think that uh, a lot of them are afraid. A lot of them, the job is more important than doing what's right. And a lot of them are on big egos, and they forget that when they're elected, they're mm-hmm. supposed to listen to their constituents, not the bureaucracy. Explanation. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Derek. Go right ahead. Well, it, and it was just amazing to me that apparently this was all, all these discussions were taking place behind the scenes, and I was outside that loop. And then I thought, well, I'm going to find out what they're afraid of, mm-hmm. because to me, this was a public safety issue. Something flew over Arizona in the, in the evening when a lot of people were out, and nobody is thinking, well, you know, it could have crashed. You know, if it, if it was a hoax, uh, what were they flying? You know, all these things went through my mind, and it was I couldn't understand why nobody else wanted to find out the answer. And then I found out that before the reporter from Extra TV talked to me, she had gone to the sheriff's office, mm-hmm. had gone to the governor's office, she had gone to the county offices, she had gone, she had asked two previous council members that were going into the same meeting, and they flat out would not talk to her, and they just said, no, no comment, and they walked in. But they knew the instructions, and I didn't, and it wouldn't have made any difference anyway. Um, I probably would have asked more in-depth questions if I would have known that it was a no-no subject. Exonation, uh, Francis Emma Barwood is my special guest this hour, and we're talking about the Phoenix Lights right now. But t- t- tell me, tell me, when you look back to March of 1997, here we are in May of 2011, has anything been resolved? Do we know what the Phoenix Lights really were? Oh, goodness. Not not really resolved. I mean, there's no concrete mm-hmm. proof. But if you look at everything that happened and, and all of the uh, manipulation so that nobody knows. I mean, if it was a secret project, they wouldn't have done it at a time when in Phoenix most people are out in the evening. There's, there were joggers. Right. There were... You know, if they wanted something secret, it would have been done out in the desert um, where nobody was. But they didn't. And so and a lot of people said this when I asked them, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And they all described the same thing. They said it was huge. Most of them said bigger than a football field. Um, they said it was quiet. It was um, slow. It was low. And it was obvious. And I keep thinking of that because it came down the most populated pathway that could have possibly been picked. So obviously it wanted to be seen. And and you want my personal opinion? Yes, ma'am, I do. I, I think it's from elsewhere. I don't think it's um, terrestrial. I think it's extraterrestrial. I think that they wanted to see if people, mm-hmm. if they knew that they were visiting and coming around our world would people panic and nobody panicked um 
and actually everybody that I, I asked people how they felt, and I talked to over 700 people over that next summer. Right. And those, they were not alone. And everybody, nobody said they were frightened. Everybody said they were awestruck, they were amazed, they were excited. Uh, nobody was terrified or afraid. Hmm. And I thought that was a real interesting reaction. It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, if this would have caused shock, panic, terror, if people would have been afraid, that's one thing. But as you said, people had the exact opposite reaction. They felt, well, you know, this is very interesting. A calming effect, as, as I remember speaking to many people back in 1997 about this. What about the, uh, the fact that the National Guard came out what was it, months or years later, saying that, you know, it was us, we were firing flares, that this was a National Guard uh, operation or uh, rehearsal. Yeah, you you don't buy that, do you? No, and I'll tell you why I don't, because a a military person Mm -hmm. gave me um, several pages of translations of terms, Mm -hmm. and, and they called it Operation Snowbird. And in military code jargon, that means diversion. And so when you look at all of that, and, and I also was at a meeting at the National Guard uh, facility right. where one of the women guards came up to me and she just touched me on the shoulder and she said, something amazing happened that night. It was not us. And she walked away. All right. Stand by, Francis. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, our special guest this hour is a good friend of the Exxon, Francis Emma Barwood. We're talking about, well, we talked about this uh, first part of the hour about the Phoenix Lights. When we come back, I want to talk to Francis about the anonymous Operation UFO. That's coming up next here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, here in the Exxon. My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario. Hi, my name is Splenda, and you're listening to my dad, Rob McConnell, on the Exxon. This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell. Hello, my name is Holly Reeves, an astrologer from astro for You, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network, 1-800-610-7035, worldwide, toll-free. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. 
Uh, this is uh, Monday, May the 23rd. It is Victoria Day in Canada. To all our Canadian listeners, I hope you're having a great weekend. And as you know, ExoNation, the world was supposed to come to an end on Saturday, May the 21st. And this just in from Associated Press. The Christian radio host who predicted the world would end on this weekend said Monday, which is today, he's ready to talk about why the apocalypse didn't arrive. Harold Cummings declined to immediately comment to the Associated Press, but said he'll make a full statement in a broadcast through his Oakland-based Family Radio International. I'll have more to say tonight, said Camping, an 89-year-old retired civil engineer who previously said there was no responsibility or there was no possibility the rapture would not occur at 6 p.m. Saturday. I'll be putting out a message in our broadcast, he said. Camping had preached uh, that some 200 million people would be saved and that those left behind would die in a series of scourges visiting Earth until the globe is consumed by a fireball on August 21st, October 21st. His earliest apocalyptic uh, prediction in 1994 also was a bust. Hmm, I wonder why. Uh, but he said it didn't happen because of a mathematical error. Now, uh, he told the San Francisco Chronicle on Sunday he was flabbergasted. His latest doomsday prophecy did not come true. Gunther von Hariga, who heads a religious organization that uh, produces content for Camping's media enterprise, said he was very surprised the rapture did not happen as predicted. But he and others, believers, uh, were in good spirits. Now, this is a quote from him. It hasn't shaken my faith, and we're still searching the scriptures to understand why it didn't happen. Well, you moron, because it didn't. You know, you don't read the same scriptures as everybody else if you don't know why it isn't. I'm not going to tilt the hand. Figure this one out yourself. Family Radio Special Projects Coordinator Michael Garcia said he believed that the delay was God's way of separating true believers from those willing to doubt. What he said were clear biblical warnings. Yeah, and if you've got any extra money, uh, Francis and I have some land under the Mississippi that we'd like to sell you very cheap. Maybe, maybe this had to happen for there has to be a separation between those who have faith and those who don't, he said. It's highly possible that our Lord is delaying his coming. And, and talk about a PR switch, eh? God, you know, here's this guy, $80 million richer, and and now he's got to do some real fast backpedaling. Anyway, I hope they throw him in jail, throw away the key, and uh, that this is a that this is a true testament to what religion is all about. Hmm. Francis Emma Barwood's our special guest. We're talking about UFOs this hour. And uh, Francis, over the weekend, uh, we were expecting some more uh, tribulations. I guess we can call them when a group called Anonymous. Uh, they uh, they they tried to cause some havoc. Uh, did it happen? Well, I have not heard that. I I emailed Peter Davenport mm-hmm. and have not heard back from him. I asked him if he gotten had gotten any calls, and uh, so I don't know. But I doubt it. And um, I think the fact that this went out to everybody telling them this was a farce mm-hmm. and not to pay any attention to it really hurt them. But you know, this group is is. It, the only thing I could think of is, one, either they have so much time on their hands that they would want to do something like this, which is really silly, or the other is, uh, you know, again, it's in my conspiracy theory mind, yeah. that, you know, maybe if you throw out enough enough disinformation when something happens, people are going to go, oh, that's not real, they're just fooling around, you know, it's kind of like um, crying wolf. 
Now, this is the the information that was sent, uh, and we were able to get a copy. Thank you. Thanks to you, uh, Emma. The, the anonymous uh, poster read, Operation UFO, we are anonymous, we are a legion. It is time we band together to strike fear into the idiots of the world for nothing more than lulls. Lulls? Lulls, I guess. Uh, number one, find a UFO reporting site where you can report your sighting to. On May 22nd, around 8 p.m. Eastern time, find a converter. Report your sighting as a triangle of about eight yellow lights in the sky. Sit back and watch the beep storm as UFO sightings are reported all around the world. Uh, this number four was optional for extra lulls. Create a crop circle or other form of landing areas. Let's convince the world. What a bunch of yeah. morons. And and I think, you know, if they're not just a mm-hmm. bunch of kids who have way too much time on their hands, then what they're doing is mm-hmm. they're trying to do the disinformation thing. And I would love to know who they are because anyone who's anonymous usually, you know, isn't anybody. They just want to create havoc. You know, uh, we, we've had uh, one of the leaders of Anonymous uh, from Ontario on the show uh, a couple of years ago. And you know what? These people are morons. They truly are morons. And yet they can cause so much havoc using the computers. They go out and demonstrate wearing these masks. They don't want their identities to be known. You know, and, and the way that I look at it, Francis, and, and, and I don't know about you, but if you, but if you believe in something strong enough, why would you want to cover up your identity? Exactly. Yeah, and so they're, um, you know, again, I go to they're probably people who have nothing. Mm -hmm. They don't have a life. No. And so this to them is like that's this is their life, and it's like wow, that's pretty sad. What is your what is your opinion on the latest theory that Roswell was a crashed Russian craft? Oh yeah, that's kind of like um, it's only swamp gas out there. I wonder how much they paid that lady to write the book. Now, Exo Nation, in case you're wondering what uh, what uh, Francis and I are talking about, uh, this is from the Associated Press. So the world-famous Roswell incident was not a UFO, but rather a Russian spacecraft with grotesque and child-sized aviators developed in human experiments by Nazi doctor and criminal uh, war criminal. Dr. Joseph Mengele, according to a theory floated by investigative journalist Annie Jacobson. Her book, Area 51, An Uncensored History of America's Top Secret Military Base, is about the uh, secretive Nevada base called Area 51. One chapter offers the new Roswell theory, citing an anonymous source who says that Joseph Stalin recruited Mengele and sent the craft into U.S. airspace in 1947 to spark public hysteria. Like past theories, Jacobson writes that the U.S. government was involved in a cover-up and, uh, of the UFO report, which has spawned space alien legend and turned this southern New Mexico town into a tourist attraction. What is your take on the Roswell crash of 1947, Francis? Well, you know, I spoke to a photographer in Phoenix mm-hmm. who took a picture of a craft that flew over Phoenix that day and he was outside and he ran inside got his mother's camera because he was over by his mother's and he took a picture of this craft and i don't know if you've ever seen it but it it has like a um, curved out section and the paper ran it that 
um, that, that that was the rear. And he, he told us, and at the time he was, his name was William Rhodes, mm-hmm. and he was oh, in his early 80s when I talked to him. And he said, no, he said, they, they just ran it like that. But he said the curved section was the front, was the way it was going forward. And it came down out of the clouds, made a circle, and, and then went to the east. And that happened just the day before this apparent crash in Roswell. Um, just from what he was saying, first of all, we had nothing, nothing that would have even come close to what that that was that it showed in his picture. Right. And he had the negatives. And his house after that was ransacked, but he had hidden away his his uh, pictures and his negatives. They went through his trash and everything, and he said, you know, he was under a lot of scrutiny at the time. Now, if this was nothing, why did he go through that? And then, you know, this crash happened in Roswell, and I think maybe, um, you know, they they tried to discredit everything, but I think that that first report was accurate, and then after that they did all the disinformation out there. You know, it sounds like, uh, from what you described, the the photographs that I remember seeing as a kid of what the uh, Arnold, um, Kenneth Arnold UFOs looked like, except in reverse. Mm -hmm. So, So tell me, why do you think the government of the United States of America and the government of Canada and all the other governments around the world are suppressing any information that they have on UFOs, Francis? Well, actually, some of the countries are pretty open about it. We're not. Um, and I think what it, it has a lot to do with control. Mm-hmm. You know, same with, and I, 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 I'm a Christian, but it's the same with when the early church was putting together everything. Yes. And they left out parts of the Bible and... and they didn't want people to think that there possibly could be anything else, but it, yet they say God is the God of the universe, mm-hmm. so why wouldn't there be? And and then besides control, I think it has to do with, you know, say you take 100 people yes. and you have a landing. Mm-hmm. Well, probably 10 of those people are going to run away and commit suicide because they can't deal with it. Another 10 would probably run and hide and, and never want to come out again. And the rest would go... This is very interesting. You know, let's let's see more. Sure. So I think it's a combination of all of that. Have you ever seen a UFO yourself? This is very interesting. You should ask that. <laughs> Before uh, the the Phoenix Lights incident and and for that whole year, mm-hmm. all I heard about was other people and what they had seen. And um, there were some people I talked to who are very well-known, they're very famous people who didn't want me to let, you know, to, to tell who they were, but I knew who they were, and they told me that they had seen this object that night, and there was no doubt in their mind, but they couldn't say it publicly because they knew they were going to get ridiculed because they saw what I went through. And I think that... um People are, people are very interesting, you know, as to how they're going to react to things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, and until something, I think if, if something does happen, it's going to have to be at a place where 
they can't um, they can't cut it off, you know, say like at the Super Bowl or something like that, where they're not going to be able to spin it. So what do you think would happen if a UFO did land in Times Square in front of the White House? Would it be the end of the world? Or would people, or have people been conditioned to the point where they would just say, okay, hey, we were right. There it is. Let's continue. I think most people would say, hey, let's find out, you know, who they are, where they came from, what they know. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt they know a whole lot more about us than we know. Sure. You know, and, and I mean, for people, beings to come here from other places and observe us, um, they're, they're light years ahead of what we know. And I think there's a lot of fear in the government that uh, we're not the best there is, and hopefully we're not the best there is. So it's, um, I'm open to it. I think that everybody should be open to it. It doesn't change my personal beliefs on anything, it actually strengthens them. Do you think that those who are visiting us have uh, have the intent to harm us? No. And and I'll tell you why. I, you know, people who have been abducted and they say, oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they checked us out and, you know, did things to us and everything. It's kind of like a little kid being examined by a doctor. They're yeah. terrified too. Um I don't see where anybody has been drawn and quartered. Um, if they, if, with with all the knowledge that they have, obviously, mm-hmm. much more than our knowledge, if they wanted to do us harm, they would have already done it. How about cattle mutilation? Do you believe or do you think that cattle are being mutilated by extraterrestrials, or is there some other explanation that has terrestrial basis? That's a good question, and I'll tell you, uh, first of all, I used to live up in Williston, Vermont, not too far from where you are. That's right, yeah, I've been to Lewiston many times. My parents used to take us there as uh, w- uh, on a Sunday drive. I, I'm originally from Montreal, so that was just, a, what, an hour and a half drive. Wow. Oh, a hop skip, yep. Yeah. And and I was into Ontario many, many times. Um, my Another place I lived was in Black Forest. Excuse me, North of Colorado. All right, I, I hate to do this, Francis, but I, I, I yapped myself right into a commercial break here. Please stand by. Great having you with us. Thank you for sharing your time. Exo Nation, our special guest this hour is Francis Emma Barwood. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up for today, Monday, May the 23rd in the year 2011. Yep, yep, I know the world was supposed to end on Saturday, but here we are. Thank the good Lord. We'll be back. Don't, don't go away. That's all. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking our special guest this hour, Emma Francis Barwood. Uh, Emma, it's been uh, uh, Francis. It's been great having you with us. Uh, it's been too long. Please, uh, please make it a lot sooner the next time you're with us. Uh, but before we uh, before we say so long for tonight, uh, you know, cattle mutilation is it is it real? Uh, well, I we know it's real. Let me rephrase that. 
Is there an extraterrestrial connection or are there terrestrial um, people behind it? Well, as I started saying, I lived in the Black Forest, North of Colorado yeah. Springs, and they had several of these cattle mutilizations. It was very interesting because they were cleanly cut. Um, their reproductive organs was taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they were instantly killed. And I, it, it wouldn't make sense that it would be us because why, why, you know, they could just buy some cattle and do it. Exactly, yeah. So I would think, again, um, and this is my own personal opinion, mm-hmm. that they're being watched over and they're looking to see if we're to the point of uh, destroying ourselves. And they're checking things to make sure that we aren't totally contaminated, poisoned, toxined, whatever. And, uh, you know, that's my own personal opinion. Um, I, that's the only conclusion mm-hmm. I could come to. Tell me, do you think that we are ready to to have contact? I would say most of the population is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the government is. <laughs> I don't think people who are in power want anything like that because um, they're afraid of losing their little niche. And um, But I think it would be real exciting and very interesting and I hope I'm still around when it happens. So do I, my dear. Any, uh, anything for you in the future? Are you writing any books? Are you contemplating getting back into politics? <laughs> no for the politics. Um, I just look who's out there and mm-hmm. to support the ones I think are the good people. Um, I am writing two books, but it's taken me a whole lot longer because I don't know if you know, but in the meantime, I got Lyme disease. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it, it had its blessings on the, you know, because I had to do a whole month of antibiotics right. intravenously, yeah. and it got rid of my asthma, and I wow. got instant cataracts, which I got those done, so now I can see really clear with no glasses. And so, um, it, and, and I've been spreading the word on that, that mm-hmm. people need to realize it's in every state. It's in every country. Um, if you get a bite that looks like a bullseye bite with a little bite in the middle and a circle around yep. it, go to your doctor and say you want to be checked for Lyme disease because none of the doctors knew what was going on with me. And it was actually a pharmacist who diagnosed it. So it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that have deterred me from finishing my books, but uh, it will, I will get there eventually. Francis, I do want to thank you ever so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone. Thank you once again. Anytime. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself now. X-Zone Nation, Francis Emma Barwood has been my guest to this hour. And, uh, wow, what a lady. Well, that's it for tonight, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking all our listeners around the world for allowing us to be part of their day, their night, whether at work home, play, school, wherever. Thank you. And and you know what, ExoNation, it's never it's never too hard to help out somebody who we can help out with some you know, if we've got a couple of extra bucks in our pocket, whether we have some extra food in our cupboard, because there's a lot of people who need help and it's up to us to help each other. After all, we are our brother's keeper. So until tomorrow night at ten o'clock at at 10 o'clock uh, here on the Talkstar Radio Network as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. Take care of each other. 
drive safely, don't drink and drive, don't text and use a cell phone when you drive, and always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night, everyone. <laughs>